Hello and welcome to Falmouth Vineyard's audio podcast. We're really grateful that you're joining us today. Our vision is to see Cornwall coming alive through the hope and freedom that Jesus brings. To find out more about who we are or how to connect with us, visit falmouthvineyard.org. We'd love to hear from you. So um, this is going to be a relatively short talk because my voice can't handle an hour that we normally preach for. If it's, if it's not. No, uh, it's just going to be a short one. Um, I've been thinking this week about, or actually for the last few weeks, about encouragement. And so I thought I'd do a little two-parter just to finish up this term on encouragement and how we can encourage one another. So that's the kind of theme. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. Have you ever heard of the term hysterical strength? Okay. What about adrenaline rushes? Okay. So hysterical strength is like an adrenaline rush on steroids, but that doesn't really, I don't know how that works. Have you? Okay. It's like a massive adrenaline rush that gives someone almost superhero super strength. Have you ever heard of those instances? Right. I'm going to give you some. This is Lydia and you. In 2006, up in northern Quebec in Canada, Lydia, the 41-year-old mother, turned to see a polar bear sizing up her seven-year-old son. What did she do? She ran and got between the hungry bear and her son and then kicked and punched the bear. Eventually, a neighbor heard the commotion and came running with a gun. And unfortunately, well, fortunately for her, unfortunately for the bear, the eight-foot, 700-pound polar bear was shot. She took on a polar bear and won. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Thank you, Nathan. Larry Hubert, who arrived on the scene just after the bear was shot, said, for sure she saved the kid's life. She's pretty quiet. I'm surprised she went and did this. But I guess when your back is up against the wall, I guess we come up with superhuman strength. Five-foot mum in her 40s, fights off eight-foot polar bear with her bare hands. Pretty cool story. What about this one? On April the 8th, 1982, Angela Cavallo had been told there was an accident. She ran outside to find her teenage son, Tony, trapped under his 1964 Chevy Impala. It had been knocked off the car jack while he'd been working on it. You're thinking, well, how big is that car? It's that big. It's one of those big American cars. They're all supersized. It's pretty cool, isn't it? I was like, oh, I'd quite, no, I wouldn't like one on top of me, but I'd quite like one of these cars. Um, so it was knocked off a car jack. It collapsed on him. Angela, in her late 50s at the time, not only managed to raise the car up off of her son about four inches, she held it there long enough for her neighbors to replace the jack and drag Tony out. They estimated it took about five minutes. She lifted that car for five minutes. It's not a small car. So I thought that was impressive. And then I found one last story. Um, Now, do any of you remember, this is showing my age, 1980s, imagine you're back in the 80s, you've got your shoulder pads, your mullet, you're there, shell suit, Magnum PI, do you remember that? Oh, Tom Selleck with that moustache, that car, awesome. Anyway, 
Um, while they were filming on an episode, a helicopter from the show crashed, trapping one of the pilots, Steve Lux, underneath. Warren Everall managed to lift the 1,500-pound helicopter off his trapped co-worker, allowing Cux to be rescued. And you can literally watch the whole thing on YouTube if you search Magnum PI helicopter crash. I was going to share, but I thought it's not appropriate. But it's nuts. It's in a like watery ditch. This guy, he's a big guy, he gets down there, he's like, this helicopter, and someone else comes in and grabs the pilot and gets him out. How do these people, normal people, manage these incredible feats of strength? The body, in extreme situations, releases a combination of adrenaline, cortisol, and endorphins that increase blood flow to your muscles and organs, increasing the amount of oxygen, allowing your muscles to function at elevated levels. Adrenaline also facilitates the conversion of glycogen into glucose, giving energy to the muscles in a sudden burst. There's your biology lesson for Sunday morning. What I'd love to suggest this morning is that encouragement can act like a type of spiritual adrenaline. It enables us to do extraordinary things, but also just the ordinary things like keeping on, keeping on. So let's just pray. Lord God, as we look into your word, into the book of Hebrews, Lord, we just pray you bring, Holy Spirit, would you bring these words alive? Anything from me would it fall to the floor, and anything from you would you set fire to, Lord God? And we want to not just listen and learn, but we want to be transformed into your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've got a Bible, why not turn to Hebrews chapter 10? It will, by the wonder of technology, come up on the screen as well. We're going to start reading in verse 19. It says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open to us, through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And in this passage, um, there we go. Um, the writer of Hebrews, who as the name of the book suggests, is writing to a community largely made up of Jewish converts to Christianity. The writer is showing them the superior nature of this new covenant, of the cross, of the what we've just been talking about. This is the blood of the new covenant, the new covenant of grace and how Jesus is superior, fulfilling the law because they have been persecuted. Some were abandoning their faith. He carries on in, the writer carries on in verse 23. There we go. It says this, let, uh, verse 23, let us hold, because of all this, because of this new covenant, because of the confidence in the cross and the blood of Jesus, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. There's a sermon in itself, isn't it? He who promised is faithful. And 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider how we together may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, encouraging one another all the more at times like this. And to spur on, this is this imagery of horse riding, when they wore spurs on their heels to communicate with the horse. 
Your aim isn't to hurt the horse, it's to tell it to move or change direction or to speed up. I'm, I really don't like horses. So I, I Googled this because I'm like, the thought of doing something with your feet and a horse changing directions or bolting or just, it just fills me with fear. So why would anyone worry the horse? Anyway, anyway, so then the, that's the imagery, spurring on this horse. Then the writer says, we are to encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Well, the day is still approaching. And so we also need to be encouraging all the more. So what does this word encouragement even mean? It's a Greek word, parakaleo. I know I took some of this material from John Tyson, and then I found the book that John Tyson took all his material for. So I didn't feel quite so bad um, stealing some of John Tyson's stuff because he just nicked it from someone else. Anyway, parakaleo, because you know I don't speak Greek. Um, the first part, para, means to come close to come beside, and the second part, kaleo, means to call. And this word has almost got a military connotation where it would be someone coming near to put courage into a soldier that didn't want to go into fight, or to come close to someone that had given up hope or were overwhelmed by fear, to embolden that person to go into battle. It's about coming alongside someone and calling them into the fullness of what God has for them. Our modern French word encourage comes from a French word, which is basically encourager. It's just encourage with an R on the end in a French accent. Um, but then the N part means in, putting courage in someone else that has lost theirs. And that it comes from the French word cour, which is the heart, strengthening someone's heart. And the word can also mean to comfort as well. So when the Holy Spirit is described as the comforter, it's the same word, paracleo, used. Why is this important? Because encouragement is rooted in who God is. So when we encourage, we are tapping into something divine. God, if you look at the language of the Trinity, encourages, the Father encourages the, the Son, the Son encourages the Spirit, the Spirit encourages the... And it's like this dance of encouragement. He's... Um, um, John Tyson says this, criticism and negativity, oh no, I'm going to skip that bit actually. When we encourage someone, we want the best for them. We call out in them what they may have lost sight of. We trust them and we believe the best of them. And I've been thinking about whether we live in a culture that cultivates criticism or encouragement. Is your household characterized by criticism or encouragement? Is your workplace characterized by criticism or encouragement? It's fascinating that we generally love to receive encouragement, but we are very less likely to give it. Well, maybe. Maybe I'm speaking on my, my own behalf there. Encouragement lifts someone up in our eyes, whereas criticism reduces them to less. And I think I can safely say that there won't be anyone in the room that doesn't like to receive encouragement. So why are we so hesitant in encouraging one another? Maybe it's because we haven't fully grasped the grace that we've been shown by God. Grace isn't just this way of salvation, it's a way of life. Paul in Colossians 4 verse 6 says this, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. A couple of months ago, I had a text from someone I'd met up with, not in the church, 
and they said they'd been reflecting on their conversation with me and thought they maybe had been too negative and too critical about another organisation. And it made me stop and think. I hadn't thought it'd been critical at all. I'd have just thought it was an honest conversation, but it made me check myself. Actually, had I got too critical? It's such a default thing, isn't it? It's so easy to criticise and be critical rather than to be encouraging and for something. Had the conversation been full of grace? Encouragement carries so much power. I think of Joshua in chapter 1 of the book of Joshua. God commissions him to go forward leading the children of Israel. And God encourages him. If you've got a chance, turn over to Joshua chapter 1. It just says this, verse 3, I will give you every place you set your foot. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and courageous. Verse 9, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isn't it interesting? We can kind of skim over verses like that and go, well, that's nice for Joshua. Good for him. But that is God's attitude towards us, that he, creator of the universe, would encourage us in that way. I need encouragement. You need encouragement. We all need encouragement. Mark Chansky in his book, Encouragement, Adrenaline for the Soul, which is most of this material came from, says this, what adrenaline is able to chemically and physiologically do for the body, encouragement is able to emotionally and psychologically do for the soul. Encouragement can transform a person's spirit. Wise people know it and tap into it. Spurgeon says this, it does people good to be told how highly we value them. There is many a Christian man and woman who would do better if now and then someone would speak a kindly word to them and let them know that they had done well. It's so simple, isn't it? Just letting you know you've done really well. Well done. I would love to invite us, as it said in the book of Hebrews, to encourage one another. Like mini EpiPens of adrenaline, we need little doses of encouragement It was brutal leading during COVID. If you led anything, if you led in business, if you led in school, anything to do with the health service, a department, a company, a charity, a church, it was an absolutely brutal season. There was so much change and uncertainty. And every now and again, someone would send a message just saying, thank you. Just encouraging us, just encouraging me, saying, do you know what? I appreciated that. I appreciated what you were doing. Yeah. And sometimes... I've been encouraged to slow down, and I absolutely take that on board. Sometimes it's our vision that needs encouraging. Now hear me on this. Encouragement isn't fixing someone else's problems. It's not coming up with a solution you think they may need. It isn't hearing someone else's situation and feeling the need to tell them that you went through something similar or worse. Have you ever been ill and someone's come alongside you and go, oh, I was ill, I was a lot worse than you, oof. You should have seen me. You think you're bad. Oh, I'm so much worse. It's not really that encouraging. And all you need is someone to go, well done. Come on. You'll be okay. You can get through this. Encouragement is strengthening, comforting. It's building. It's heartening. And some of you may be thinking, but how do I know if someone needs encouragement? Is there like a certain look? Maybe they're in floods of tears or maybe they have a certain role where they need encouragement. Well, the founder of Chick-fil-A, a restaurant chain in the States, the founder says this, how do you identify someone who needs encouragement? 
that person is breathing. Ah, so who around you is breathing? Can you spot, is everyone? I'm hoping everyone's breathing still. I really hope everyone in the room is still breathing. So to finish, who, how, sorry, can you affirm, encourage, or comfort someone today? Really practically. Who is it in your sphere of influence, in your sphere of relationship that needs encouragement? Who can you come alongside and put heart and courage into that is close to you today? Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe you're sitting them right next to them now. Maybe it's a best friend. Maybe it's a colleague at work. Maybe it's one of your kids. I've been challenged on this this week. I was listening to a podcast with um, Andy Crouch. He's a great speaker and writer in the States. And he was talking about the cost of COVID on the education of our children and their social development. I wonder if they might not need a strategy or a plan to catch up. They may not need extra activities, but they may need just our words of encouragement, unconditional encouragement, calling out their strengths, their identity, their future, not our expectation, but just encouraging them in who they are. So it's a very simple, very short talk. The subject is encouragement. The, the, the challenge is who can you encourage today? And don't go away and go, I'll pray about it. This is not one way like, oh, God's told me not to encourage someone. You don't need to pray about it. You just need to do it, all right? (sighs) People say that. Anyway, um, who can you encourage? Make a note in your phone. Put it in your diary. How can I encourage them? It doesn't need to be a a letter through the post. It can just be a one-word text message saying, thank you. It could be an encouragement saying, oh, I saw what you did. I loved it. Thank you so much. Do you want to stand? Would that be all right? Let's do some ministry. I think it'd be great just to finish in this passage in Mark at the scene of Jesus' baptism. Verse 9, Mark chapter 1. At the time, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. But as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. God the Father encourages the Son before his ministry, before accomplishing anything, And maybe we need to hear that this morning to give us heart to bring comfort and to encourage us. God would say, you are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Comforter, advocate, encourager, would you come? We wait for you, Lord God.